Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast dialoguing with creatives and entrepreneurs where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own the future. I am your host, Lucas Scrobot, and today we have Chirag with us, who is the producer of Maya FM, which is a podcasting network out of Dubai, UAE, and today... This the conversation came about from a podcast a few weeks ago, where um, it was a solo podcast where I, 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 I floated the idea to you that if you're getting one listen, that is enough. If you're getting one like, one view, that instead of pandering to the masses, we need to pay attention and work on our craft to improve our craft, our writing, our art, our photography our marketing, whatever it might be. We have to work on that and not worry about how many people are liking or sharing or following our feeds. From that, a conversation sparked and we started talking, which then I said, hey, come on the show. Let's talk about, let's talk about podcasting. Let's talk about engagement. Let's talk about what numbers should we really be looking at and listening to so that we cannot just be satisfied with the one or two followers, but really work on growing our craft and then listening to our audience and paying attention to our audience in a healthy way so that we can reach the goals that we have with the right expectations. So this is part one of a two-part episode. Tune in and I'd love to hear what you think of this episode. So stoked that you're here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here as well. Chirag, nice. you have a podcast network. I do. Called Amia FM? Amia FM. Amia. Yeah. yeah. Not Amia, Amia. Yeah, it's Amia. It's like the... the, the, the I'm a geek at heart, I suppose. Um, it's the AE, right? Like the like encyclopedia. Ah. Yeah. I mean, I did it because it was more a differentiating thing than anything else. But but from a pronunciation point of view, it's Amia. Amia. What does Amia mean? Is it the... Is it, it's not Amia, like... The local dialect, Armenia. No, it's not. So it's. Uh, I mean, my usage of this particular word. Uh, so it comes from from Sanskrit, which is a uh, the, the ancient Indian language. But um, yep. So the Amme, which is the origin form of this word, uh, means limitless. Mm. So it means uh, unlimited. It's meant to be a uh, one of the many names of the goddess like so it, that, that's kind of where i found it cool. I was looking through a bunch of names uh amay though is a is a is a masculine name mm. uh, i mean we, we do have that name in india quite a bit uh so i was looking for something that was a bit more it sounds almost unfair to say like feminine but yeah when you're naming something it's it yeah you want you wanted that you know that style so so i went with amaya as, yes. as like to to add that and then i had to realize that um you know, that name was used quite a bit and stuff. So then I went with the AE version of it, which was a little like a deviation just mm-hmm. to just to give it a little nicer spin to it. And it cool. looks cooler. And uh, It looks cool. I it like gives it. me a more, sim- the logo is more, sim- like has more symmetry in it because yes. of the AE as opposed to just the A. Yes. So, um, and it, it, it's a conversation starter. People are like, how do you pronounce this? I'm like, well, there you go. So It means limitless. Story. It means limitless. And yeah. you have how many podcasts underneath your network that you uh, produce so we're at, and yeah, we're at audio engineer? Six today. Six. Uh, yes. Um, four of which <clears throat> are original shows as I call them i.e. they're shows that we have complete creative control over and two of them which are produced for other people mm-hmm. so they, f- they form part of the what I call the creative network of sorts which is we're helping with the creative and the production of 
technically some but what I what I would technically call somebody else's show because they they get final say in how the what the final stuff that goes out there is. And then we've got uh we've got two new shows under the creative network that should be coming out over the next couple of months and then we've got one under the original shows that we're working on mm. at the moment, yeah. So and um for context, what's brought us together today? Yes. Was I posted a podcast a few weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Probably by the time everyone's listening, it'll be a few months ago. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> typical like editing cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, typical. But the podcast I posted was, are are you in the business of podcasting or are yes. you in the podcasting business? Right. And I was making the argument that uh, don't worry about the numbers so much. Mm-hmm. Focus on your craft. Focus on your art. Don't get caught up. In the noise. And I had a couple, you were one of two people right. who messaged me. We had a lengthy conversation, right. you and I did, and with someone else we also did too, about kind of the the tension that that it's in. Because it's, you have, you, in some ways you do have to be concerned about the audience. You do want to make sure that you're producing something that's great, that's good, that there, there does need to be a... a at, at a point, a financial model to what you do, where I was taking the the other side of the yeah, argument. Yeah, I think your, your larger point was being the business of podcasting than being the podcasting business, right? Yes. And, and to differentiate, which is basically like, you know, do it for the love of the medium and do it for the, the love of the conversation and or whatever it is that's got you started there. And and give a little less weightage to the other stuff because it distracts you or gets yeah. in the way of things, right? Yeah. Um, Especially think, when you're getting started. Oh, 100%, yeah. And I think for me, when when I heard that, uh, it was more like, I'm like, well, I, I, I know where you're coming from and I completely understand the context, but I'm like, you know, I'm someone that is literally, I've got one, I think that's what I messaged you in fact. I said, well, I've got one foot in both pies here. Like, yes. Which is a horrible thing to say, right? Why would you put feet in pies? But anyway, <laughs> I've got uh, hands in pies or feet in buckets. I don't know, some some analogy. You straddled the line. Yeah, but so so uh, where where I do have to think about that, because for example, I'm, I'm, producing, I'm producing shows for other people. Yeah. And it is, I don't want to say it is a criteria for it, but it is one of the aspects of what I bring to the table when I do the work for them is mm-hmm. to tell them that I'm going to help them with reach and distribution just as much as I'm going to help them with creative totally. right? and, and planning and all of that. Um, and also, I think uh, one of the things I think I learned, obviously, I, most of us grew up in an era when blogging was a thing. Mm-hmm. And we, were, we were all bloggers at yeah, some point, right? We were. Um, and I think one of the things I realized is I never took blogging uh, I never looked at it with that professional eye. Mm-hmm. I always did it as a, hey, look, I'm doing this as a hobby. Yeah. Same. If it gets me somewhere, that's great. If it doesn't, eh, whatever. I'm, I'm just doing this for you fun. You were amateur about it. You weren't right. showing up on a consistent basis. Right. And I realized after a while that miss. it actually, that got in the way of me succeeding in it. Because um, I have a lot of, I mean, I, I was primarily in the food blogging scene. This was back in 2000, um, I want to say 8, 9, 10, mm. something like that. Um, and there are, there are a few of those that are still around. There are a few of the bloggers who I, you know, we used to be part of this larger group of people um, that went to events together and that did a bunch of community things together who are still doing it. And the ones that have hung around, I mean, we were 200, 250 bloggers at the time, I mean, when at, at its peak. Um, and today, maybe I think I know 10 of them that are still dedicated 
actually doing this today. Yeah. And those are the ones that were like, hell or high water, I will publish a post every single week or every at day. this schedule and yeah. I'll do it like this and I'll set up a little room in my kitchen where I'll take my photos and set up my light room and my, my, my wow. white light and everything else. So... They approached it as a professional. Yeah, they, 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 they walked that line well. And I think they, they were like, no, no, no. I mean, I have to treat this as a job. I have to put this on my calendar. I have yeah. To. Whereas where I always did it was like, well, I mean, I, I know I had posts that I was sitting on for six months that I just never oh, man. never posted. And then when I finally decided to post it, I was like, well, this is so irrelevant now. It's because, too late. you know, the place has changed or shut down in some cases. And then... Um, or the experience that I'm trying to share with the people that read what I write uh, is no longer the same anymore. I mean, even the items are not even on the menu. Like, yeah, you know, that yeah, kind of yeah. discrepancy. And and what that landed up doing is I'm like, well, then why am I posting it? And I didn't post. And so oh. all of a sudden it's like two years I'm without a post. And I looked at that and I'm like, this is not the way. I mean, yeah, there are, I think there's a percentage of us that will look at that and be like, that's fine. What's the big deal? Like, yeah. it's a hobby. And that's fine. Uh, but when it came to podcasting, I think like right from day one, I was like, well, yeah. if I don't put this on my calendar and if I don't do this Absolutely. in this schedule and this way and in this format and I don't look at the numbers and I don't look at ways to monetize, I will give up on this a year yes. from today. And, and I didn't want to be in that. I fully agree with. Yeah, and I didn't want to be in that. So that that's kind of what that it was for I, me. You know, maybe it wasn't clear in that episode, but oh, no, that I fully, yeah, fully yeah, agree yeah. with. It's yeah. like you need to show up, whether it's podcasting blogging whether it's your photography right. whether it's your writing yeah. whether it's your family it doesn't matter what it is really right. but you need to show up on a schedule you need to prof be professional about it and you need to ship and ship frequently mm -hmm. um and when you don't when you treat it like well it's just a hobby and i've done that with blogging too mm -hmm. it's you know here, there, and I've seen other bloggers who treat it very amateurish, and mm -hmm. every post starts with, I'm so sorry, I haven't posted in, you know, <laughs> 22 me, months, yeah, yeah. but don't worry, I'll be posting every week, <laughs> 22 months later, you know, yeah, 10 yeah, months yeah, later, yeah, yeah. so thing, sorry. Yeah. So, you, you can't be amateur-ish about mm -hmm. your craft or your art, especially if you want it to grow. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, look... I so, I mean, I have to go back to, like, why I started doing this, right? Um, I mean, when when I, my first podcast, or the, the one that I launched properly, and yeah. I was like, okay, this is the one I'm doing. Um, Tales I mean, of the Trade? No, it was it was before that. It's, before it's, a, that. it's a show that I've quietly, like, sort of oh. brushed on the carpet. No, I started a talk show, actually. So, um, for context, like, so I, I was, I still am, but I was very frustrated with the way... Um, conversations were happening about three years ago, roughly, let's say, uh, in the media, mm -hmm. right? And my focus was around India, sure, but I think I see this problem everywhere. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm very and continually frustrated with the way um, coverage is done about a lot of things. And I think we've, we're in a very hyperactive Hyper reactive, hyper outrage. Right, cycle everything's these the days. thirty second news by twenty four right. hour and then, news and, cycle. And it's, it's it's a it's a thing that's feeding itself in a very very bad way because the only things that get reactions are the. I, I saw this. It was really interesting. I saw this on Twitter. I think this this last week that uh, someone posted saying it's so funny. Like when I post a tweet with a typo, that gets my article way more attention than uh, a one without a typo. 
And so sometimes I almost have to intentionally put a typo in so just so that people will react and cause them to click on my story so that at least the message will go out there. That's fascinating. That's fascinating, but it's scary. Because, because I, whenever I whenever I post something with a typo and yeah. it's not intentional, right? So many, I get so many comments, right? And so this so this journalist was saying exactly this, and I, I apologize for not giving them credit because I cannot remember who it was right now. <laughs> but uh, but you know, but like that's what they were saying. They're like, you know, sometimes like it's so funny that the amount of attentions my stories get when I posted with a tweet where I've put a typo in there. I mean, well, not intentionally, but where I have yeah, a typo, yeah. because then people comment on the typo and that causes them to get engagement such that my story gets shared, which is crazy. And then the, it shows if people are commenting, saying like, oh, hey, you had a typo, it actually then improves the algorithm because the, yeah, exactly. the algorithm isn't seeing that they're Why seeing the a typo. Is, hmm? All they say, there is a comment. People are commenting on this and then it boosts it into yeah. the algorithm. And, and, and I think that that's, for me, that's scary because that means that like, you know, okay, this person is like, well, that's interesting. But someone else is going to see that and be like, okay, well, here come my typo tweets because the, I want my stories to get reach and I'm going to put typos in there. Or and or we see this, the whole clickbait phenomenon is, is yeah. based on that. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what the story says as long as the headline causes the outrage. And the number yeah. of times I have clicked on a story and found that the story has nothing to do with what the headline says or worse, completely contradicts what the, the headline, headline says, says, and yet we're seeing this outrage go on. And so I, I was I was doing exactly as I'm doing now, complaining about it on social media, writing about it, complaining, complaining, complaining. And at some point I was like, yeah, you know, thinking that like someone's going to listen to me and, and start changing, and that's yeah. not what happens, of course. No, And so never. I started, uh, I was like, that's it. You know what I should do? I should just start my own it. show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the research, and I'm going to start doing this. Because the other thing that really annoys me as well is like when people are doing discussions and debates and talk shows i'm like you're discussing a policy or you're discussing i mean that's mostly what i focus on is policy and uh, governance stuff um and uh, rather than the politics of the whole thing and um you would see this debate and the, and you the moment the person asked the question you're like you did not read the first paragraph of that policy that you're discussing right now mm. because if you had you would realize what you just said was wrong Right, right, but but for them, it's like even they are going by the headlines that they're seeing as a way of doing their research, and that I mean, that thing just boggles my mind. And so that's anyway, that's well, because thirty second sound bites clips, and the more inflammatory you are, the more attention that you get, and then the news, they're trying to gain viewerships and keep people's attention. Yeah, but that's and so but it's that's the high emotional. You know, yeah, but that's the reach part, right? Like that's the reach part. But I'm saying, yeah. like, let's say you're interviewing me right now about, I don't know. I don't about, think it's right. No, but let's say you're interviewing me about starting a podcast. Yeah, it's one thing where you ask me a question that leads me to either react strongly, such that you get the soundbite you want, or for you to make a provocative statement. It's another thing for you to tell me that, like, um, you know, um, how do I put this in a in a as a good example? So it's one thing for you to come and tell me that, like, you know, Apple, um. Because that's what happened, right? Like, this is the big uh, debate of this last week, which is Apple came out and said, hey, if you put episode numbers in your podcast title, like, we'll, we'll get rid of your, um, y- your show might be removed from the from the directory. And, um, okay, they've come out and clarified it and said, yeah. by the way, guys, calm down. Like, no, that's not yeah. what we're doing. But you could, if you were to ask me today, it's like, if your opening question to me was, do you think it's right for Apple to remove your show of the directory just because you don't have, um, you know, episode titles? Now... That that means that you have not 
you are not up to date with the news and or you have not read what Apple has uh-huh. actually put out there. You are just asking. Ill-informed and just Yeah, because you went by question. the headline as well. You just took a scan at the news and you said, oh, apparently Apple said this. And you have not bothered to actually do that, right? Yeah. And you are asking me the question. Granted, I'm the expert, but you have to have some kind of, in, in, like, you need to know a little bit that's about what's going on. That's most of what media is today. And that's exactly what my problem was. So I said, you know, I'm going to pick a topic. I'm going to find, and this, the other thing is, like, everybody's an expert on everything. No, I mean, come on, like, just because everybody has a voice does not make you an expert in everything. True. Like you cannot, True. not everybody cannot be geopolitical, economic, flights, uh, podcasting, audio, video. Like everybody can't be an expert in no, everything, right? can't be. And yes, there are people that are good at multiple things. I'm not against any of that. I like to think that I'm someone that that has interest in more than one area. Uh-huh. But I don't go out thinking that I know everything about missile defense. Like I, I'm, I don't know anything about missile defense. I don't know defense, anything right? about it, yeah. But uh, but because I saw what, uh, you know, what a certain country picked up, you know, in their most recent defense purchase does not suddenly now make me an expert to comment on every country's defense purchase all across the board. Like that stuff, you know, is the other thing that also annoys me. And it, it annoys me because, you know, somebody sitting there just enabling this and not putting their foot down and be like, no, mm. I am not going to do a debate with someone who is just a proposed expert on something without myself researching what's going on. And they, instead of that, they're just like, oh, well, okay, let me just quickly look at the headlines. Let me find, oh, this guy seems to be talking a lot about it. Let me bring him on as an expert. And then suddenly, like, you have this debate where nobody knows anything and everybody's talking about anything. And the only thing that's generating is more provocative headlines because... But I saw it on CNN. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean it was expertly verified because oh, I man. don't know, right? Oh, man. I really shouldn't. I shouldn't go after CNN. But, you know, <laughs> uh, but, but, but I mean, a, a totally. channel. Yeah, but and that's, totally. yeah, so anyway, so that's what got so me. So you started a show. I started a show. In reaction to that, which is great because most people just sit around and whine. Well, yeah, so did I, by the way. But, but yeah, but at some point I said, something. okay, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myself. And so... I, um, via social media and other things, I shortlisted a bunch of experts on different topics yep. and um, what we would call like a sub- subject matter expert. So not necessarily his first line of work, but someone who's done enough research that we can have a reliable conversation about it. Uh, and I was like, and I won't touch a topic unless I have studied it enough to be able to ask the right questions, uh, understand what the person might be saying right. and, and create that conversation. Um it was, I mean, a great idea in theory, but a very difficult show to put together. Very hard. Yeah. And so... When you went into that show, did you think that, oh, this will be easy? No, I, I wouldn't say that because, I mean... The, did it take the, like 10 times more time and effort than you thought? No, I think I think the, 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 the toughest part, especially when I was trying to do these conversations that are in India, living here. That's uh, hard. You know, because it's like... Yes, I'm informed or I'm fairly well informed or I try to keep myself fairly well informed. But the finding experts was hard because I, I don't have access to that kind of a network and mm-hmm. people and stuff. And I, as much as um, and I haven't lived in India long enough where like, you know, I never worked there, for example, or something. So it's never been like, oh, I've got access to this. I'll just cast this net and someone will like show up. That's on how that works. Right. Uh-uh. And so uh, so that that part was actually hard. So regularity was very difficult. Um, occasionally, yeah, it was hard to find an expert as well. So there's a, there's a conversation uh, which I eventually got to do, but there's a conversation around education in India, especially primary education, which is very, <clears throat> should be very debated. It just doesn't get talked about because nobody gives a crap about it because they're like, well, whatever. Like, you don't see it until the kids come out of school, mm. which is like 10 years after the problems begin. And so nobody pays attention to it today. And yeah. it's a whole conversation that's still pending in India. That I'm hoping someone will address it soon. But um, And so, yeah, finding an expert on that was tough because 
uh, people didn't either, either didn't want to touch the topic because they're like, hey, it's not interesting. I haven't, you know, I don't want to talk about this. Or, um, yeah, just not reliable experts. Like it's people who just randomly comment on, you know, the same comment off the headlines rather than actually, yeah. no, no, I've actually studied the law. I know why this is failing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can have a conversation about it. So that was one of the, to- like, so it was stuff like that. There were topics that I really wanted to get to. And then there's always current event stuff that, that was happening. Mm-hmm. So regularity was really hard. Um, and obviously, like, everything was remote and it was not the easiest show to show to do. But it was a good way to dabble in the, you know, in the medium. Mm-hmm. Get a feel for what works, what doesn't work um, in terms of putting a show out there. Um yeah, and and just getting a feel for oh okay, if I speak to someone for about an hour and a half, I can get about an hour's worth of good um, discussion, such that you can take a cop topic from what's the context, where are we today, how can we improve this, mm-hmm. which was the general arc of the show. Uh, so that's actually how I got started, um, and I started doing that as re- it it was it was never I mean it was never going to be the most popular show in the world because again for for the same reasons unless I kept at it which I couldn't uh, but what it did end up doing is I would send it to my friends mm-hmm. who I knew were <clears throat> interested in the kind of topics but did not have the time to sit and do the research yes right and so I think that's and that's the other problem we have right like we we are in an era where people have literally very little time attention spans are one problem but time is another and so I had a lot of friends who would come to me and be like they actually started asking me questions. They'd be like, hey, so I saw this debate happening, you know, mm-hmm. something got announced. Like, break it down for me, will you? Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, I see what the problem is. Like, people don't have time to sit and research the shows. That's the reason why all the headlines are getting the attention because nobody has time to sit and do the research. Because people just want to read the headlines yeah, they just have an idea yeah, exactly. what's going on in the world. And so it was but like... aren't able to really parse the information to figure out what yeah, is really happening. Yeah, nobody has time to be like, well, is this reliable or I don't know? What am I reading? Am I reading something that's reliable or not? Of course, they either decide that, okay, it's coming from this source, hence it's reliable, or yeah. this author, and hence it's reliable. But, uh, but sometimes that's not true, by the way. Like you can have an author who would be very reliable on one topic, but completely talking out of his, you know, or a headline that I read this week about yeah. some guy who has a PhD from Harvard and oh spoke about the most bizarre things in all of the top magazines and supposedly had some some award from Obama and literally everything he just like made up was all con. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just insane. It's insane how. How easy it is to get away with that. That's my problem. I think, I mean, ideally what should have happened is by now, like the quote unquote market should have corrected it, right? Like the push towards, okay, well, yeah, I don't want people to make up shit and give it to me. Hence, I'm going to, once I figure it out, I'm going to stop or I'm going to discredit this source. And that hasn't happened. Uh, We are seeing some of it, but that's not what happened. So. Yeah, I wish that would change. But anyway, so. Probably half the, if they are discrediting a source, it's not because of algorithms, because of the way the news cycle works, it, it's not coming up to the forefront of media because it's not something that sells. I think, yeah, so I think that the, which is, a, we're in a very different conversation now. We are. Uh, <laughs> but I think that, um, I think, I've said this on in a different way a few, a couple, maybe a year ago or so, I think social media platforms need to do way more than they're doing. Mm. There, there was a responsibility that they abdicated at some point yeah. uh, in terms of what they should have done because 
we're not their customers. Their advertisers are their customers, and this is mm-hmm. something that we're I know it's a, it's a great it's a great tagline. But uh, but I think it's true. I think if you look at the, every move Facebook or Twitter has made in the last three or four years, you will understand that everything that they do is focused around the advertiser. I mean, the, for me, the best example, the most recent one is is Instagram, and how they went about converting into an algorithmic timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, where where they and, and and the way they did it as well, which is a whole different thing, right? Where mm-hmm. they, they came out with it, everybody was like, No, my God, how can you do that? And we're like, It's fine, don't worry, we've listened to you, we're gonna revert it. And they reverted it. And then one fine day they said, Hey, we've got a new logo, and everybody went berserk over the new logo, and they quietly also pushed the you know, in the same update was also like the change to algorithmic timeline. And it took it took days before people figured it out. And because they were so tired of outraging over the logo that nobody even they were just like, Yeah, oh, whatever. And and that's and that brilliant. I mean it's brilliant. That's like brilliant. you you think from a, from a strategy point of view this is great, but but the the larger point which is get, you know which I think gets lost way too often is is this part which is that the these platforms are focused on the advertiser they're not focused mm-hmm. on you and so this is always going to be a problem. They're, they're, it's not in their in their remote interest to make sure that the advertiser is saying the right thing or the advertiser is pushing the right or the or, or what the validity of what is being said yeah. exists. It's for them it's like. How can I make sure that this post gets as much reach as possible so, you know, uh, we get that, we can charge that card. Yeah. And as long as that continues and it was going to continue for the foreseeable future, uh, we're not, you know, a lot of the stuff isn't going to change um, at all. And so, I I mean... So then what would you say to... So there's, I think there's two <clears throat> bottlenecks in, in this problem mm-hmm. for content creators, producers, photographers, um, people yeah. who have something to say. How do you, A, present your material in a way that is gaining traction within your sphere of influence, within within the algorithms, in a way that's not just clickbaity? Right. And then how do you do what you did, which is I'm going to actually still put something that's of worth, that's not just fluff and hot air to create attention, but is going deep into whatever that subject matter is and providing reliable, um, helpful, I think, productive information. So, you, you know, when I was saying earlier, like the, the sort of the market correction that should have happened and didn't, and I think it's very hard for this market correction to happen in social media because there's too much money and, uh, or, or not, not only money, but control power mm. of the platforms like, I mean, Twitter and, and Facebook, I think they're, they're, they have a disproportionate amount of power. For sure. I mean, I mean, Facebook in particular has has. I mean, they, 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 Facebook, there's Google, there's no yeah. there's no competition. There isn't going to be for a while. No. Um. And so when Facebook decides that just because of the amount of data that they have, which makes it such a powerful ad platform. Yeah, and I mean, and and the fact that I mean, look at how many exoduses have happened over Facebook over the years. Every couple of years, every, oh, that's it, I'm done. Yes, to be fair, the the Cambridge Analytica thing I think hit Facebook pretty badly. Yep. At least most people in my circle are either off Facebook or not using it. As in, they don't post on it anymore. It's like yeah. I'm not going to contribute to this data data pool or whatever. But but in terms of just pure control, they still they still control everything. They they control uh, everybody's social lives right today. Yeah. Either if not directly via Facebook, then via WhatsApp or Instagram mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Um. So I think to answer your question, which is I I think this is where and why podcasting is starting to do so well. Yes. It's because there isn't a single powerful dominant player like a YouTube or mm-hmm. like an Instagram for photos. There isn't one for podcasting. And that's allowed um, for... 
By the way, it's not like there aren't Shit. podcasts. Of course there are, right? There are people that have, or, or incorrect uh, content or incorrect uh, information in podcasting. Totally. That's, not, that's not the case because it's, it's the natural law of, I guess, too many people create something, someone's going to create something that's not great, of course. right? Uh, but I think what podcasting has allowed is because we don't have this disproportionate control of a certain platform that is surfacing certain mm-hmm. kinds of things above the rest, yeah, uh, it's allowed for um, overall the 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 cream of the podcasting crop sort of is pretty good yeah. for that reason, and I think it's also one of the things where a lot of people have looked at saying like like you mentioned like I mean for me where I'm like okay well if I want to do a show around this topic or this mm-hmm. this area or this thing or to do it properly, um, what medium will I pick? And I would say, well, if I wanted to do it in video, I'd have to compete with the YouTube algorithms. The YouTube algorithms are, again, the same thing, right? It's, you know, there's a reason why cat videos keep floating to the top compared to, like, interesting talk shows, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that means that the algorithm is 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 biased in a certain way or mm-hmm. can be gamed in a certain way to read somewhere. Uh, so, hey, I'll do it in podcasting because, hey, that's at least where I have probably my best shot yeah. at getting a kind of reach or, or having someone find my show that yes. is not necessarily purely because three people yelled at me you know uh-huh. on, on social media yeah. uh, but because they actually went around looking for good content i think the difference and this is what you're speaking to and articulating is that in you know the twitter instagram facebook world the life cycle of a, a single post the half-life mm-hmm. is so short mm-hmm. um and they're all consolidated into these platforms that are controlling people's attention right? because us consumers of the media, yeah. those people controlling, we are the product right. that's selling to all these advertisers. So, and the, the, how short those sound bites are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, it doesn't lend to a full conversation and it only lends to, um, uh, divisive kind of arguments, yeah, yeah. but podcasting, much like email, mm-hmm. um, it's all based on permission and it's all decentralized and right. there are no algorithms to say what is coming to the top and what's going to the bottom. Yeah. It's, well, what do you want to listen to? Correct. What voices are you finding credible? And then you are going out and subscribing to those voices and you're listening in a long form conversation where you're able to have much higher resolution yeah. than just a headline. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I was, I, I forget who I was saying this to recently, but I was like, yeah, it's easier for me to find or come across a really good podcast mm. than it is to, say, find a good YouTube channel or an yeah. Instagram account. Because it is, there's a lot of noise and it takes a long time for me to be like, oh, you know, I think this is, I'm going to follow this person or that person. Whereas in the case of podcasting, I think it's a little bit, it's still easier mm. because the chances are higher, like I said, because again, it's, I think a lot of us are are finding ourselves on that platform because we know that there is, at least, there's everybody still has a fair chance there in a way, right? Like, I'm, yes, it's not, I mean, the, the statement comes with caveats, but but that that's generally how it is, and so it allows for. I mean, just look at look at our region, right? Like we have, um, I think I was checking on on Agami the other day, we have I think some eighty odd active live shows in the last year, 
that are still producing and still doing stuff. And I'm sure there are more. Uh, I think I think the number we as a group estimated is around 200 to 50. Mm-hmm. But uh, the number of people that are still active or actually actively pushing stuff out is somewhere in the 800 mark. Um, I mean, that's not a big number for this region, no. right? It's, it's, it's next to nothing, uh, which means that the chance of someone saying, okay, I want to go find a good show from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a one in hundred chance that he's going to discover you, right? It's a great chance. Whereas if you look at YouTube, I mean, we're talking one in a million chance. Like that, the number is so, the ratio is so, so, so different. Yeah. That um, so I think that that's one of the reasons why I think the motivation is higher. Um, I think, of course, there's there are, I mean, there are scientific reasons for the fact that voice is very powerful as a medium, and mm. and it actually really helps um, connect with somebody more than you know. Um, I remember <laughs> this was last year. I think I was at a conference somewhere. One of my co-hosts in one of my shows was having a conversation with someone behind me, so I could kind of hear him talking. And and the other person went like, you know, the the guy who's standing over there was pointing at me. Like uh, his voice is familiar, huh. right? And it's because they had heard the show that yeah. had this person on it. I I just happened to be a co-host on the same show, and it's like, oh, yeah, I feel like I know you kind of like because I've heard you yeah. talk. Yeah. And and that's true. You get to know a lot of about someone in the in the way they talk and the way they share. Yes, more so than when they write. Yeah, yes. Because uh, my tones and my tenor and what I laugh at, what I say deadpan, sarcastically, uh, may not communicate that well when I write, right? And so, um, so you get to, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot more intimate and, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's part of it. Um, and then where they're listening to. So it's stuff like, you know, when, when we're listening, when you're driving and I, yeah. I've, got, I've got a half hour to kill on my commute and I'm going to listen to something, but because I'm driving, you know, the chances of me flipping away from a show is, is lower. Low. So even if I've, I've lost a little bit of interest as a podcaster, you still have a chance to bring them back because you know that they're. It's not like um, like YouTube or something where like the second they've lost interest, they've you've already lost them. Like they're gone. Yeah, there's you know, a, like there's or, ten or, or other like things Twitter, you can right? click like on. It's, it's, they've already yeah. flipped through you. Like you haven't, you didn't even get a chance. Yeah. Whereas here, you kind of are like, well, maybe if I pull it back later, that's I have, I still have a shot here. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the other reasons why, like, I think podcasting A is doing well, and I think why maybe we're seeing uh, this affinity for good content in podcasting mm. or there still is we're still seeing new shows come out all the time that are interesting fascinating or whatever um probably for that reason i think it's some of those those other platforms it's more mass media communication mm. on twitter on on even youtube it seems much more mass media it doesn't feel this one-to-one connection where there's it's just oh yeah of course there's no space between you and the person's ears um and yeah, when you're driving, it's it feels like you're in the car yeah, with you're, your friends. You're having a conversation. You're having a conversation. You're, you're listening to people on the next table at, at the restaurant, right? Like, Which is a great thing to do. It's just almost creepy, Everyone loves but, doing that. Yeah, but everybody loves doing that. It's eavesdropping. Exactly it yeah, it's like eavesdropping. But in a but but it's like it's like eavesdropping on a topic you want to listen to though, yeah. which is the best part, right? Like it's it's not just saying oh, I'm listening to these two or three people having a conversation. It's also like I want to hear about this. Yes. So let me get in on this conversation versus, I don't know, something else that's going on over there. Whereas when, when you're in a restaurant, you have to, you just have to put up with whoever, whatever <laughs> the person's talking about next to you, which is generally fun. But every now and then you're just like, dude, these people are boring. Yeah. Like, what are they on about? Or nowadays in, this is sad, isn't it? Like nowadays you, you walk in, like you're at a restaurant or a bar or something and People at the table next to you are both on their phones. Like they're not even having a conversation anymore. They're busy posting pictures of their food, which is nice. But you know, have more conversations, people. Anyway, so I, I think that like, um, and I think it's also like it's 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 
despite not being old school as a medium, I think people feel like it is. Mm. It's like you know, it's a, it, well, I feel a, it isn't old media. I think it's radio. I think no, it's no, radio. Yeah, it's, radio but like, it, it, it's it's that nostalgia element of feeling like you're going back to radio. You're going not. back to the oral tradition. Yeah, in going so many back ways. to oral. But uh, but I personally, I don't think that like. If instead of video you go to audio, you've gone back. Mm-hmm. But that's how well, I've had that conversation many times where people are like, "Oh, so you're you're kind of going, you're kind of like ditching this new stuff that that, that has come out, i.e., video, and you're going back to radio." Uh-huh. I'm like, "No, I don't think so. I think I'm I, for the way I see it is, I mean, I find video very distracting, yeah, and annoying, and it's in the way. And I'm thinking of it as like I'm I'm finding a medium that's stripping all the other stuff out and saying I'm just going to give you my voice." Um, and yeah. hopefully you'll enjoy it. And yeah, occasionally I have people who come in and be like, well, I can't focus on audio because I get dis- I get distracted by the surroundings. So like I'm trying to listen to something and someone starts talking to me. And Whereas if I was watching a video, I would actually stare at it. Mm. In that case, hey, I recommend those people should watch video because watch whatever doesn't distract you. But I find it better to just plug in uh, while I'm driving or even sometimes when I'm working. I can work while listening to a podcast yeah. very easily Yeah, uh, because... It depends on the kind of podcast, but like I can do that very easily and consume a bunch of But you of can't content. watch a video. And, and I can't watch a video while I do that. Because you have to, you're, it requires your eyeballs. Yes, yeah, it requires me to look at it. I can watch dishes and listen to podcasts, yeah. right? Which I can't, it's a bit harder to do. I can yeah. just kind of watch stuff, but not really. Yeah. Do you feel, do you see that the podcast numbers in the Gulf, in the MENA region growing? Yeah, we've... Um, like oh, market 100%. penetration? Oh, 100%. Um, I, I keep... <sighs> I keep ha- I don't have any scientific backing for what I'm about to say next, but I, I feel like I think I've theorized this well, <laughs> which is that I think Do you get insecure when you're about to say something that you don't have that scientific but this backing is, but for. This, yeah, I, I, do. I, I don't I wouldn't say insecure, but I feel like this is what we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Like we you know, a lot of people talk out of their heads irrespective of whether it's true or not. And I always right. feel like I should put a disclaimer. Yes. And say, Hey, look, I'm about to tell you something now which I think it's true, yeah. but I don't have any backing for it. You don't for, have like a study or, or, or I don't have a study evidence, or something. Whereas occasionally, but it appears to be true. Yeah, and occasionally I'll say something where I'm like, no, I've actually looked this up and I can tell you for a fact that this is what it is. Yeah. And I think that I, I as, as someone, as the creator of the content or as the person behind the content, I feel like I should make those distinctions when I'm communicating. You should. And I think that that's, so that, that hence, the, hence my disclaimer. But yeah, so, um, but I think in this region where we have a, a second problem that, places like the States don't have in podcasting, which is we have a lot of listeners that know what podcasting is or what what podcasts are, but don't know that there are regional ones. Mm. And I think that that's not something, I mean, of course, in the States, it's not a problem because, uh, I mean, I think at 70, 80% of the podcasts originate in the States anyway. So that's fine. But um, like we we have two problems to address in this region. One is for people to find out what podcasts are. Yes. And that's still like, I mean... um, uh, I think I've I've seen some numbers recently where like the the podcast listeners is a very small percentage of even total radio listeners, right? Like today, so even people that are into audio don't know what podcasts are because mm-hmm. they they don't know that there's a way to get audio content in an on demand fashion like this. Yeah. So that's the problem I think the West is trying to tackle or the US is trying to tackle, yeah. especially is to say, hey, how do I get people who don't know what podcasts are to know, about, what, podcasts. To, to know what podcasts are and go to the audience? Uh, here we've got, like I said, we've got this little sort of in-between category of people as well. It's like uh, they totally know what podcasts are. And you'd be like, oh, really? That's awesome. Like, show me what shows you listen to. And there's not a single regional show in it's there. All American, all, yeah. It's all American and, and stuff. And so I think that, that there's definitely an area there to address. And we've tried... 
through certain ways to try and see how we can target those people um, in terms of just creating that awareness to say, hey, guess what? Well, there are a bunch of regional shows. Why don't you check us out too? Mm. Um, and I think that there's there's quicker growth there, obviously, just because you, you spend less time actually getting them to stay on the shows because the moment they like the show, they're going to hang around anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's yeah, there's a whole there's a whole tremendous audience that doesn't listen to podcasts or don't have a so clue, many. and um, they're they're they'll stay around longer because you don't have to fight uh, for them. You don't have to fight with somebody else's podcast because they they just don't know what podcasts are. Um, so, but they're also harder to get to. Because, you have to you have to get them to adopt podcasting yes, as in a the first thing. place yeah. as a medium to be start to listen to you. Yeah. But then once they start listening, they're they're not gonna. You know, they're, you're their ideally, first love. Yeah, ideally they'll stay loyal because they, you know, you're one of the first few that that you've heard. But yeah, we, I mean, we've seen pretty consistent growth across all of our shows. As long as we stay regular, we see an uptake in, in listenership. Yeah. So I think overall, the, worldwide, but also in this region, there is a there is definite growth in the numbers. Um I, nobody really has a clear estimate on how no. many. I know this. I mean, you've seen this question. I get asked a lot of times. Like, All the time. what's the total number of listenership? Okay, look, I I don't have a clue, and I don't think anybody really does reliably. No. It's a hard um, part about it. Yeah, but uh, but in a way, it's the nice part about it because it means that like you can't. You're not sitting there in front of a VC saying. This is a three hundred million dollar market, and I am trying to capture ten percent of it. This is like, well, I'm trying to capture as much as I can in a market, and, and you get. I I when I. I, I, I not that there's anything wrong with that conversation, but I think that conversation becomes like you 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 start setting upper limits to everything you can do, and I think when um, especially when you look at things like uh, investment in in a medium, whether it's as a company or or just as a platform, mm -hmm. um, when you start setting those kind of limits, I think you know those conversations become very different ones, and I don't think podcasting should be dealing with that right now, or it's too early. Can you explain that a little bit more? Like yeah, why so why like, don't you feel podcast should be dealing at least in this region be dealing with that right now well what i mean i guess is that like if we start having i mean you see this in i mean I, and i'm making a lot of like tech corollaries right like so you see certain things or certain industries that are disrupted and they're disrupted because of the mass appeal that there is yes like so for example people have stopped investing in quote unquote the next facebook yeah. because people don't see any value in doing that because they don't think that there's enough of a market for it mm -hmm. and i think that if if we if that's what happens in podcasting where people don't invest because they're like well 300 million dollars which is um 300 million dollars is what um, spotify invested is in the wrong number um the it's about 650 million dollars was the ad revenue i think in the states last year in podcasting mm -hmm. roughly right um and so that's not a very big number actually no. if you look at it worldwide right i mean this was only the us but um it's not a, it's not a very large number and so i think if you start having those conversations the market the the money in the market will move away right off the bat because they're like well it's never going to be big enough for me to want to be interested yeah and so um i'd rather not have those conversations for the industry today i'd rather be like okay look i mean here here are the different potential market opportunities that we can play with let's focus on that um i think i mean spotify investing in this is obviously very nice because i think it's kind of every it's kind of you know just put up a little light and said hey guess what like 
a company like Spotify believes that by investing, um, you know, 300, 250 odd million dollars in two companies, in two podcasting companies is going to be a lucrative thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, there's there's merit in that in that statement in, or in that decision. Um, but it also means that like other people in the industry are looking at it and being like, oh, yeah. okay, if Spotify thinks that like they can make a profit by investing 300 million dollars. Maybe we should look at it. Yeah. As opposed to saying, well, the total industry is $650 million. That's about, everybody's fighting for that share. And I think those two the conversations share are- much bigger than that. Yeah. And yeah. I think those two conversations kind of mean the same thing, but one is an upper limit and one's a lower limit. Yes. And I'd rather have a lower limit conversation yes. today, especially when, um, yeah, I got a bit, yeah, but, but especially when, uh, when we're, we're it's, I think it's very early days. I mean, it's very mm-hmm. early days. Um, you know, many people who are, Coming into the, you know, in the on the Middle East podcast forum, for instance, yeah. probably a lot of those people they are coming into the podcast world, um, probably newer. Even if it's only a couple years old, probably a lot of those people they haven't been doing it for ten years. They're Correct. not having established shows. Yeah. How should how should whether it's people in that segment or even in other industries, whether it's in photography or art, mm-hmm. some of the same things apply. But how should they be thinking and approaching podcasting um, as probably someone who's functioning independently? What sort of sort of expectations should they have for their show, for their craft? <coughs> what should and shouldn't they be expecting? In the first yeah, year, I, two years. Yeah, I think that's really, I think it's really important to understand what you should expect from the stuff. I think it's really important to set your expectations properly. Um, one of the things that I tell people all the time, uh, so I think a lot of people, we were just talking about this, right? Like a lot of people think that tech stuff is the hardest part of mm. podcasting. I disagree. Granted, um, you know, my background's in tech. And so I, th- I find it a little bit easier compared to most people. I understand that difference. But um, I think... A lot of people think that like, oh, well, you know, if I have, I have to figure out how to record and I got to figure out how to edit and I got to figure out, you know, all of that and how to publish and, and set up a feed. This stuff is actually easy. Yeah. Right. And 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 um, and this stuff is the same for everybody. Yeah. What's not is the content. Right. And understanding how what is it ex- actually you're going to talk about? Because it's very easy to say I'm going to do a show where I review TV shows. Yeah, but what are you actually going to talk about? Yeah. Right? Um, what kind of shows? I mean, they're, you know, what what category? What genre? How wide are you going to cast that spell? Are you going to have guests? Are you not going to have guests? How frequently are you going to put a show out? How long is your show going to be? These are the kind of things people should really think about. So we are, I mean, we're in we're that era where we podcasting is not saturated. Mm-hmm. But there are enough yeah. of them, right? I think there's 660,000. In Apple's directory anyway. But yeah. only, what, 25% of those are actually actively well, yeah, producing. This is, this is a whole different aspect. And I think it ties into this part of it, which is a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to put out content week after week. Can, you, can you paint a picture of how hard it actually is <laughs> to put out content uh, week after? Because so many people come to me and they're like, Hey, I want to start a podcast and ask the same question. What mic do I get? Yeah. What, and I tell them like, oh, that's too complex. I'm like, well, that's what you need. Right. And then I tell them how much time it takes. And they're mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm going to do it differently. Yeah, I think. How much time does it really take? Wow. I mean, it depends on the show, to be honest. And it depends. That's why I said like, I, 
when I okay, so we, as you know, like we we produce shows for other people. So I think when we do this this onboarding um, discussion conversation, yeah. right, which is the part where we say let's sit down and let's figure out what it is that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the first set of questions that I always have is, okay. How frequently are you going to put out the show and what's the rough length? It doesn't have to be exact, but yeah. you know, are you going to do a 10-minute show? Are you going to do an hour-long show somewhere in the middle? Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be weekly, every other week, once a month, and whatever. Figure that out. And if I you, was a client coming to you, what would, what would your recommendations be? I, I think it depends. So my recommendations would be based on, again, it's contextual. Yeah. So it's what kind of show you're going to do. Uh, is it interview? Is it advice? Is it um, what do you call a roundtable, which is similar to what we're doing now, which is me and you are having a conversation about a couple of topics. Mm-hmm. Um, is it an interview show where you're sitting and you've got a series of questions and I've got a series of answers for you and that's that. Uh, is it like I'm, uh, you know, I'm an, it's going to be almost like a monologue where I, I've got a bunch of advice and every week I'm going to dish that advice out to you. Um, so there's there's many, many different formats in which you can take a show. And then... So that's one aspect. How much time do you actually have to, to put in this? Like, what is your time commitment up front to say, yeah. listen, I'm going to invest yeah. this much time into this. Um, and then, you know, and then in a way, what do you want to get out of it? So is it meant to be business development for you? Is it meant to be, hey, I just got a bunch of interesting things that I want to share with the world. Is it, you know, I have, the, there's, there has to be some kind of agenda, mm-hmm. right? Something. Yeah. Um, not necessarily all of it. Every agenda has to limit itself to one mission statement, but but there has to be some kind of purpose to say, hey, because that's your conversations are going to be formatted around that agenda. Yes. So when you take a PR show and say, hey, I'm a PR professional. So obviously I'm, I'm giving an example of a show that we're actually doing, but like, so, you know, I'm a PR professional and I've got advice to share about PR and communications in this region. And each week we're going to pick a topic and we're going to talk about just high level stuff around that topic. Right. So if that's, if that's the format of the show, then I would say, well, you know, if you're kind of giving out a lot of content, let's make the show shorter because it, you know, you don't want to dump an hour's worth of information uh, because A, you'll talk about too many things and you won't focus and then people will be able to take it away. So then we, those kind of shows tend to be shorter. And then how frequently you're going to do it too, because if you, hey, I want to do something weekly, well then keep it short. Mm-hmm. Because in a week you're competing with someone for, you know, whatever, two hours a day, let's say in their commute. And so they might want to, you know, give them something that's short and easy to take away once a week. Um, but if you're doing something that's once a month, I can, I would, tell you go ahead make it a little longer that's fine because at some point during the month you won that hour from their life right yeah and so these are the kind of like initial conversations we start to have um and then i mean i don't we don't onboard a show until i know what the first 10 12 15 episodes are going to be at at the very least because i know and and i mean these are the stats you're talking about too most shows don't get past episode 10 yeah and so if you pod fading pod fading as they call it yeah and then it's it is a real problem, and by the way, it's a problem you see in photography and you see it in um, less blogging. so maybe yeah blogging more so. I think less so you see it on Instagram and stuff because it's easy to go back and post another picture. Yeah, um, or at least the uh, the threshold is slightly lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of us are perfectionists and we won't post until that picture is perfect. But like most people would be like, all right, if I just want to put something out in the feed quickly, I can do it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for most, uh, but for things like podcasting or blogging, uh, you know, getting a post out or getting an episode out that's edited and clean and everything else, the threshold's high. Like, well, there's a lot of things you got to do yeah. before that. Uh, and so, so yeah, so generally we don't, I mean, those are sort of the main conversations I have with people. And I'm, and this is, you know, like 
what kind of show you want to do, how frequently you're going to do it, what's your time commitment? Can Is your time commitment really going to match up with mm-hmm. what it is that you think you're going to put out? And yeah. I think that that people don't but this kind of gloss over it and they think that that's the easy bit. It's not. It is the tough part. It is the conversation you should have with yourself before you start a podcast, hands down. I mean, uh, I, if someone were to, not that you asked me this question, but I'll answer it anyway. Uh, but if someone were to ask me like, oh, you know, I'm thinking of starting three shows, I'd be like, please don't. Don't make the mistake I did. I got, I got a bit lucky in the fact that I had some amazing co-hosts to work with mm. and I had three very distinctive ideas so when I started. So working with the team. Right. So uh, I had three very distinctive ideas I wanted to start with. Um, and so I did, but it was hard because the, there were weeks when I had three shows all recorded and they all had to go out in one week because two of the shows are so topical that if I waited a week, the, the news would be outdated. Yeah. And I'm just sitting, I was sitting there until 3am, like oh. cleaning, cleaning, cleaning those episodes. And then as soon as I was done, instead of taking a break, I started on the next show Yeah. because I had to get them both out the next morning. And like... Don't do that to yourself, by the way. But like, but that, but that's how the network started. I mean, I, it started because I had to put out three shows, and I was like, "Well, I need an umbrella under which I'm going to do this." So, mm-hmm. I, but but if someone were to ask me, should I start? I'd be like, "No, get one show out there, perfect it, figure it out, do it right, be regular, and then sure, branch out. I mean, do more. Than, I mean, I'm 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 the last person that will tell somebody don't start multiple shows. I'm sitting on six. So, right. but uh, but yeah, I would I would do it a little bit more carefully. So let's say the someone is. <laughs> They they have their first ten to twelve lined up. They have their their theme, their idea. They know how whether it's weekly, biweekly, mm-hmm. monthly. How often they're going to post. Um, what should they expect in as far as in that first year, two years? What's happening for think, for a podcast? Yeah, I think people should think about that. This is where we were talking about, like set your expectations, right? Um, what is it that you're trying to do here? Uh, you know, are you you think you and your friend have awesome conversations and you'd like other people to listen? That's your goal? Great. But then remember that. When when only five people listen, don't get upset about that mm-hmm. because that's okay. Your your goal was never to be... Eventually, if you, if you break out, that's great. But like your goal was never to be uh, the show that had 1,000 listens on an episode. Your goal was, I, wa- I want to have fun conversations with my friend. Yeah. yeah. That was your goal, remember? And so then remember that and keep at it. Um, this is again where, you know, I, I don't think you should ignore numbers mm-hmm. uh, because numbers tell you a lot. They do tell you a right? lot. Um, if something's not working, the numbers are going to tell and you so that. And so in the podcast world, how can you tell whether your numbers are telling you you're <coughs> starting out? It's in your first year, two years, yeah. you're growing, you're figuring your stuff out. I mean, many YouTubers, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk included, will talk about how he put out a thousand episodes before anyone started to pay attention. He did for 10 years before people started to really. Yeah. Look, I mean, um, the, the or other, other YouTubers who would put out, put out a hundred videos with only a hundred views. Mm-hmm. And then one day it popped. How do you know whether it, you're just in that forming stage or you should just give up? I think that the, I think that the first thing that people should remember is that there is no answer to this question. Ha. Right. Yeah, As in like, there is good. no, there's no, which is what I was saying. Remember, like when, uh, when you look at stuff like what equipment should I get? How should I edit? Um, you know, what host should I use and stuff like that. this is the same for everybody. Yeah. There are answers to, there those, are answers questions, to those questions and, because, and, it's the and, same, and it's the same for everybody. And RSS feed is the same thing. Every podcaster will have an RSS feed and it will roughly look the same. 
this is not the case with content and that's not the case with numbers. Yeah. What numbers work for you are not the same as what numbers work for somebody else and why and what and how. There was a time when, you know, uh, I mean, you see this a lot more so with things like YouTube again because it's a platform thing. Um, there, are, there are shows that have 500 listens that have ads, by the way. That, that advertisers find that that 500 audience is niche enough for them and successful enough for them that they are willing to pay mm -hmm. the podcaster to put an ad on their show. And again, this is the other part, right? Like, what do you define success as? Because there are people that define success as, as, as if I have an people advertiser on the show, yeah. then I'm successful. But you can have an advertiser on the show if you have 500 listeners, and you can have an advertiser on the show if you have uh, 10,000 listens. And we did a collaboration last year the advertiser didn't even ask us what our numbers were. Wow. They just said, hey, I like what you're doing. The show is interesting. How do I get my name in there somewhere? And I said, well, we can do this kind of a collaboration, that kind of collaboration, whatever. And I mean, it was it was the quickest yes I've ever gotten. It was just like, yeah, okay, do we leave it to you. You're the expert. You tell us what you want us to do and we'll do it. And I said, well, I'd like you to come. I'd like you to come in and record with me, and we'll do like a fun ad and like whatever. And they said, sure, just tell us when. Let's schedule it. Let's do it. And oh, and we did it. Right. Simple. Right. And they didn't. They didn't. For them, it was not about the reach. For them, it was like, hey, I want you're doing interesting stuff. I want to collaborate with you. Yeah. And so, I could, I could take that and be like, well, that's that sounds like success, right? Like mm -hmm. that feels like it was successful, mm -hmm. uh, or or I got noticed in a way that. Um, that was fairly organic and, and yeah. whatever. So how do you define that success matters? And so if your success is like, okay, well, if I, when I'm at a thousand listens, I'm successful. By the way, that's fair and you should do it and you should keep at it until you get to thousand and then you should go go throw yourself a party and be happy that you got the thousand. Um, and there are others, like I said, again, it, you know, set that expectation and objective up front to mm. figure out like, I've got an interesting conversation and I want to share it with the world. And if that's what you're looking at, then that's great. And that's that that can be successful at five. Yes. You know, it can so be. it really can. And um so yeah, so I think it's it's about setting those expectations and understanding that. Understanding that uh how often I mean not how often, but like like you said, like it takes sometimes it takes a hundred episodes before you're noticed. I mean, you know, uh I think people should also um as as is the case of any any startup. You know, don't look at the disproportional successes as as the benchmark. So when you look at an Uber and say, oh, my God, Uber was so successful. I'm going to build the next Uber. And in podcasting, the sentence is, well, look at how successful Serial was. I'm going to be the next Serial. No, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. And remember, again, we talk about like advice being in vacuum, even though it's very contextual. Yes. Serial was coming off the back of tremendous amount of public radio experience. Yeah. And a tremendous amount of following of people like Ira Glass and, and so yeah. on in in the American public radio system. Yeah. And someone who's lived there knows that like the public radio system is a very, very large ecosystem all the way down to colleges and universities. And it's mature network yeah, that has and been it's around very for mature decades. decades. Yeah, decades. yeah, exactly. And so and that's a very and they, they operate at a very different level uh, in terms of reach and, 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 and everything. team and fine yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um and and you are starting a podcast by yourself or you and a friend, um, figuring out, you know, what the right way to edit a show is, right? And how to communicate something. And you have to put all this stuff in context when you start yeah. jumping around and, and true. you shouldn't feel as though like, wow, I have a show. And again, I have a show that sounds like Serial. Why is it not as successful as Serial? Like, you know, that cannot mm -hmm. be the way you, you approach this problem. It's a great answer. Yeah. Well, thanks. I think 
the answer to the question that you gave was you have to define success and you have to put yourself in the context and you can't compare to someone like Serial because they weren't an overnight success. They're oh, built on the all. back of 60 oh, years yeah. of public radio. Yeah, of course. Or more probably. More, yeah, yeah. And they, the people who are producing those shows have been in radio for decades. If someone is uh, super- Before they're, they're actually producing if, it. If someone's really interested in podcasting, uh, um, so Ira Glass, who is- He's, he's considered as the, the yes. almost like a father of podcasting, right? Because and so This American uh, Life. This American Life, which is one of the biggest breakout shows, actually, even before Serial. Yep. And then that's actually what spawned into Serial, right? Um, so if, if people want to follow, he did an interview with uh, Alex Blumberg, uh, which, um, I mean, I'm happy to share the interview, but on a show called Without Fail, uh, in its first season, I think it was the last episode or the penultimate one. Um, and you should, I mean, have a listen to that episode. So... Uh, uh, Alex Bloomberg, who is the founder of Gimlet, mm-hmm. actually uh, worked under Ira Glass, right? And and so he, and then eventually, uh, well, I mean, worked on This American Life, and then eventually ended up starting Gimlet, which is now bought out by Spotify. And so he interviews his former boss, basically. But during the conversation, uh, you know, there was an episode from Gimlet that aired on This American Life, and uh, so they were talking about that episode and how, you know, and. On a, I think it was a half an hour, 40 minute episode, Ira Glass had four pages of audio notes for them, double-sided, 10-point font, audio notes. Things like, put a gap of two seconds between this word and this word. Uh, start a music cue here. This music cue is too slow. This music cue is too loud. Blend this a little bit better. Four pages double-sided, right? That's the, that's the level of work that goes into some of these shows. And so, two yeah. things. One, of course you can't do that. Yeah, because you do not you you've not been public radio for twenty years, and you 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 know yeah. expecting that. And two, um, just because you don't do that doesn't mean your show is gonna fail. Yeah, you know. So like, again, this is weird. Like, put the stuff in real context. Like, mm. can you imagine like somebody who is who is producing shows for a living has started a company around it as Gimlet is, um, or or shows like Planet Money and This American Life, who have been doing this for twenty years. Their f- audio feedback, so the experts are getting audio feedback, four pages long, double-sided, ten-point font, you know, of, of the amount <laughs> of changes they got to make in their edits. Unreal. On, you know, and, and so you, you really, like, there's a there's so much context behind all this stuff that people just tend to forget and tend to think like, oh, well, of course I can make it sound. And like, yes, you, if I'm sure, and this is, again, this is not a takeaway from anybody's ability to create great audio. I think we've seen some great examples of amazing shows here that are, Everything between super well-produced to um, just nice discussion shows that are worth listening to, right? I mean, you have shows like Joe Rogan, who is so yeah. popular, right? And I mean, Three hours, four hours He's long. not putting in the four pages of edits onto every no. every episode, right? So you can do the whole range. You but you have way. to know his, his context, too. Yes, exactly. And no, of course, his context is, he's ex- his context is that he's extremely popular. Yep. And he's dragging and he's bringing that popularity into podcasting. He's yes. driving his audience from his other media into podcasting and people come to listen to him yeah. and his guests or he gets someone like Elon Musk to smoke up on his show whichever whatever be the reason but there's a more there's more context than just saying I'm going to be I'm either I'm going to be as successful as that because I'm going to start tomorrow or to say I'm not as successful as that therefore I'm a failure and I'm going to quit yeah I mean this is where like this is why having that like sort of mission in the beginning to say like, oh no, I want to share what me and my friend have to say. Mm. I mean, Tales, the show that we, like we started or I started, that was my like, um, my my baby, my first baby to say like, you know what, what I, what I really find missing is that 
Dubai has these amazing companies that are never going to be mainstream because they're not big brands. Or when I say big brands, I mean they're not they're they're never going to make the front page of the local paper. Doesn't matter what they do, <laughs> yeah. right? Because they're not. Because we are we live in a region where franchises and big brands are what make mm-hmm. that that big page. One, two, they're not. They didn't have breakout successes per se, so they're they're not the rags to riches stories yeah. necessarily, but they're doing really interesting things, and they've been around for five, seven years, and I'm like, they have such interesting stories. They have more than stories; they have also interesting communities that they've built around their institutions. So we have, like, for example, the Courtyard Theater, which is one of my favorite places, and you know, this they have such a dedicated, loyal following that just comes there week after week to watch their shows and stuff like that. And how do they do that? Like, and I, that story is like super interesting to me personally. And so I was like, yeah, that's what I want to. That's what I want to share with mm. people. And so initially, it took me eight months to get that first episode out. Goodness. Because no, I mean, between like, of course, many things happen in those eight yeah, months. I don't yeah. mean like it took me eight months to produce one episode, but right. uh, but you know, me between having the idea the, and then, the idea. then then sh- you know shortlisting the people that I would speak to and who would make the first season and what qualifies as a good story versus not, and then a producer came on board and then the second producer came like the whole, all, all of that yeah. process, right? It's a long um, process. And then finally saying, okay, now we're ready to record. Now we got the okays and then going out. So yeah, the actual production time was, we did it over the summer last year. We did about two months of, um, you know, where we just went out and recorded and recorded and recorded. And then we sat and did the storyboarding for how we were going to actually release everything for that season. But I mean, the, the stuff like, and the, and it's very different from, you know, um, the tech show or the the vegan show that I do where I'm, it's just two of us sitting and chatting about what our experience was over the last week. Like mm-hmm. a very, very different, contrasted shows yeah. um, but I mean you know for Tales I did a launch party and I, I like we, we went and like um, you know and, and we did like pretty uh, we did a lead up and I had a video trailer and I did all of this other stuff but it was not because I mean of course yes of course I wanted it to uh, for awareness but it was because I was like no this is my little baby that I've, I want to put this package around mm-hmm. compared to and that's not to say that my I, I like my vegan show any less I love it I mean it's something I'm very passionate about and I want to talk about all the time but it didn't it was a very different plan and a very different um set of you know how we how we put that show out mm. is very 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 different from tales mm. i mean it's almost like you know it's chalk and cheese type of right difference between right. two shows that i produce and i'm on both of them and uh but so different from each other so that's why it's understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve out of that show changes every decision you make as you keep putting all this stuff out there. and you have to keep that in front of you all the time yeah i think it's easy to you set out you know well this is my goal this is my mission this is what i want it to be this is what i envision um but then you get you know taking a couple months a couple episodes down the line and all of a sudden the noise of the metrics and the numbers and the downloads and how how long people actually listen to your Mm -hmm. downloads and your instagram following and your likes and no one's commenting and how do you how do you parse and parcel that noise out from what is noise and what is uh just pure comparison because i think most of that is pure comparison people Mm -hmm. are just solely comparing out of context, yeah. their their show, their work with something else. Right. And I think this is what I was saying a lot in, in my podcast previously is that noise, people are just comparing, stay focused on your work. But how do you how do you figure out what is noise and what is actually valuable feedback 
like a feedback loop that you should listen to to grow in your craft, in your work, in your your podcast? So I think um, I mean, there's quite a few things, but like I think I've always done. I've always said this as a way of anything that you share. Like, are you happy with what you're sharing to mm. start? Right. Like, so when I post something on Instagram, am I happy with this picture? And you know, am I happy that like a week, uh, six months from today, someone browsing through my feed sees this picture? Is mm-hmm. like, you know, like uh, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta be happy with that, right? Yeah. Because I think that you need to start there. And if you're putting stuff out there that you're actually secretly not happy with or you're going back and second guessing it or whatever, I mean, address that, figure that part out, I think, right up front or try to f- work on that. Because I think until you sort that out, you're you're always going to be in this, you're going to be stuck. And then every everything is going to make you feel not necessarily insecure, but it's going to make you second guess yourself. So when you're already thinking like, ah, I don't think that episode was very good. <laughs> and then, you know, let's say you get 50 listens on it or 100 listens on it. And then you go and ask someone, be like, so how's, how's your show doing? And I'm like, oh, I, I got 500 listens on my last episode. And you're like, like oh, how, what am I going to do? I'm only getting 100. And like, see, I knew that episode wasn't really good. You know, like, and I think that that, all of this stuff, um, it, it starts to matter. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot, since we've been talking about context constantly and figure out what your context is, mm. you know, as much as you can. Of course, this yeah, is not easy, huge. by the way, but figure out what your context is. What are the kind of shows... If you want, if you want a benchmark, what are the kind of shows that fit in similar to your range? The kind of reach that the host himself or has, what kind of topics they're talking about, how frequently they're putting out, uh, the level of the show, in fact, even in production quality and everything else. And, you know, benchmark yourself correctly. It's always great to like, I want to be the next serial. And that's awesome. But like, who doesn't? Yeah, nobody, yeah, nobody's going to say like, no, why do I? I mean, because there are some people that would say like, I don't want to be the next serial. That's fine. <laughs> you know, whatever. But, uh, but, you know, like... Figure out what your context is mm. and where you stand. And for me, it's always, I mean, you see, when you ask me the question, like, do you see there's a growth in listenership? My answer was, yeah, we've seen growth across all of our shows. I'm not comparing my one show against the other show. I'm comparing my show compared to how it did the month before. That's important. Right? Because That's I, because, important because, context. Because yeah. a certain show works in its context. Yes. Is that show growing? Then I'm happy. Yes. And if it's or or close to or or I think if, that is dipping, a really important. Yeah, but if metric. it's dipping, then you need to address it, figure out what is going on. And so you were asking me, how do you know if a topic's not working? We see a very very clear drop off on certain topics. So we do a show around organizing, decluttering yep. yourself, and um, there are certain topics that don't do well. And I sometimes it's because the topic is sensitive, and sometimes it's because. I don't know, maybe it's not interesting enough. So mm. one of the episodes that didn't do so well was where we talked about uh, cleaning up uh, your kids' drawings. Mm. And we saw like this Im- immediate drop off that week. And, you know, again, this is where context is so important. You have to be so careful because you can really like be disappointed at that. Yeah. And, you know, okay, because I, I do a lot of this stuff and this is what I do for a living, like I do try to sit down with the host and give them as contextual a picture as I can to say like, look, we didn't do so well this week, but I believe it's topical and let's see what happens next week. Yeah. And if we still see a drop, then maybe there is another issue that we need to address. Yes. But if it returns back to regular numbers next week, then you know that it was the topic. Like these are kind of things that you have to kind of think about. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't get disheartened. You think about you're... your copy. Copy matters. Like what your title is. Yeah, and I think also, I, mean, I think, lot, I, think I think it tells me that like a lot of our listeners don't have kids. 
right? Yeah. And so if they see a topic that says, how do you clean up your kids' paintings? Well, I don't have it's kids, so it doesn't matter. I'm not going to kid play. And that's fine. I mean, occasionally we'll do topics like that and that's okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you don't have to get disheartened over it. Yeah. Unless, but again, it's all contextual. So if the next week, if the numbers stayed stagnant around that area, then I know. Um, you know, we saw, we saw, actually this was true across all our shows, which again, that's how, that helps context. But we saw quite a drop off in our numbers in December. Mm-hmm. Somewhere starting somewhere on the tenth or twelfth of December last year, um, and it just continued. I mean, we even though we had shows that were weekly, so they were still putting out. Um, you know, the numbers didn't return to our November numbers until January. Mm. And initially, so again, it's like okay, it's well, seasonal. Yeah, and like well, it's seasonal. You know, people are away, and you would think people want to listen to more stuff, but they don't have time. They're busy with family. They no longer have their morning commute. They don't have their commute. So you know, th- again, like okay, well, let's keep let's keep an eye on the numbers. Let's you know don't. A, don't lose hope, but at the same time, keep an eye on the numbers so you know. And then, I mean, you know, I think the second week of January, our numbers just shot back up to our November numbers. And you're like, okay, this is good. So I had, a, you know, I, I sat down with the host again and I said, hey, guys, look, everything's back to normal now. Um, you know, we're seeing things are returning. In fact, we're, we're seeing people going back and listen to some of the episodes in December yeah. that we put out because they didn't get to it. Yeah. So everything, you know, numbers are normal. Let's be happy with it. Uh, so I mean, the, there are a lot of, again, uh, with, you know, within a show, there's a lot of context. If like me, you have the advantage of doing multiple shows, you can bring context from other shows as well. So like, hey, everybody's kind of doing badly, which means it's a seasonal thing yeah. versus it's not a topic we put out or it's not something we're doing specifically within the context of this show. Yeah. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of, um, ways to help ascertain if something is just yeah. noise or if there's really yeah. more context to it but like i said i always i would always say like figure out what your context is understand what understand your show mm-hmm. is your sh- i mean when you say like my show does hundreds or 200s every week or every episode that's your context and so if that becomes 50 tomorrow worry yeah. Or 50, like 50 twice for the a, next month. Yeah. Twice, you know, yeah. twice back to back, suddenly you're doing 50. There's some, something's happened. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what it is. That, that answer is so spot on because it's, it's saying you have to realize only you have your context. Yes. Only you have your, only, only that show has its own context. Yeah. I mean, and the, if you measure backwards the last month, couple weeks, and you can see where those macro trends are, um, it's just like in, in macroeconomics, you'll see, you know, the chart going back and forth and all of a sudden you're down one year, five, 10 percent, mm. but you don't understand like what's happening everywhere else. And then it's going to bump up and you have to look at the trajectory over the long run yeah. rather than, well, what just happened yesterday? Exactly. Oh. And being on that emotional roller coaster of how many people downloaded my episode today versus yesterday versus the week before but you have to look at it in, in a you know, bigger the, picture the, the only thing that i remember from my first microeconomics class was um correlation does not imply causality yes right this was the only lesson that it's i still important. remember it's, it's been i don't know how many years and it's amazing to me how much it applies in everything we do and podcasting is included. Yes. A single drop-off on a single episode does not automatically imply you did something wrong. Mm. It There can be other reasons for something like that to happen. Uh, last year, or during the course of last year, a lot of updates happened in measurement standards for podcasts, right? How do you calculate duplicates? And especially because it's so decentralized that I can listen, you know, like for example, with an Apple podcast, I can listen on two different devices. Mm-hmm. And they're both me, but because of... 
um, you know, normalization, randomization, uh, the host doesn't necessarily know that both of them are me. Yes. Right. And so it might count me as two and new, new standards came. And so a bunch of people, there was so much outrage, uh, I think midway through last year in a lot of these groups and being like, you know, I was doing 500 every week and suddenly I'm barely doing 200. Like, oh my God, what is going wrong? My host has gone bonkers. I need, there were a lot of people who were like, I'm going to change hosts. And I'm like, the problem isn't your host. The problem is the measurement standards have changed. Yeah. Your host became compliant. Even if you went somewhere else, you're going to do the same numbers, the like same. calm down. And I think that those kind of things also like, we, we just, I mean, again, we have this, we do live in an era where we're, we're very instinctively ready to outrage. Yes. Over something like we we have to react to something like right away because otherwise it doesn't like I don't know what would happen but I, and sometimes it's so it's, emotional. It's so emotional. Everything is so emotional, and I think that's where figuring out your context and understanding what has happened that could potentially make a difference to you. Um, yeah, it 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 it, it has an impact. Um, like as you said, you know there are there are other things, and I mean everybody should do stuff for their reach, I think, right? Like, I don't think, I mean, we were talking about this being like, you know, don't ignore the numbers. Like, you you are only going to know you're doing well if you see that growth, Yeah. Uh, you know, month after month or like every six months or some, something around those lines. Um, your show isn't going to get discovered if you just publish and then walk away and go have a meal. Like, you do have to share it. You do yeah. have to do those kind of things. You do you attend forums, right? Like, do these kind of things with that, that it helps with How much show. promotion do you suggest to your clients to put behind every show? You finished a show, how much are you trying to promote each episode? Oof, uh, there's no, <laughs> that's... Uh, What's, like, what would you recommend? Yeah, I think uh, at, the, at the baseline, we would recommend all the basic stuff you would expect us to recommend, which is, Share it on Instagram. I mean, share it on your social media channels. Whatever your social media channels are, share them there. Um, share on the platforms that you find engagement on, mm -hmm. right? Like, go go there. So, for example, if you're having, let's say you're someone that is very passionate about I know, photography, right? And so you want to talk about um, being an independent photographer, being a freelance photographer, and that's your podcast, right? And every every now and then you're going to invite another freelance photographer and sit down and talk about trends and stuff, stuff like we're doing now, right? Um, then, then yeah, well, Instagram is probably going to be your better medium to share. Um, but that, again, that depends. If you don't Context. have an Instagram account, then this, you should start now. But like, but then, you, then, but then you have to remember that, hey, I'm yeah. going to start now, which means I'm not going to get a yeah. hundred listens from Instagram tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but let's say, for example, you have a few thousand followers on Instagram and you've got a pretty active engagement around your photos on Instagram, then that's a great way to be like, hey guys, I've also got a podcast now and we're also talking about photography and since you guys like to interact with me about photography, here you go, this is where yeah. you can find the show. You have to do those kind of basic things. So it's again, it is it is a little contextual. I mean, a PR show works great on Instagram and on Twitter. A decluttering show works great on Twitter, a little bit on Instagram. Like, it, it, you know, and then you, and then you start learning mm -hmm. as, as you do it topically what works, um, you know, uh, shows about entrepreneurs, oddly enough, does really well on Instagram. Yeah, it does. Because that's where a lot of people are having these conversations. Um, so some of it, yeah, it's it comes from experience and some of it you kind of just, you judge it based on what it is. Mm. Say, hey, here's a good show. Where are your channels? Start there. Mm. Uh, because you're the best reach you're going to have are the ones where you already have a good reach and you mm. can try to reach it. And if you're someone that doesn't have a reach, well, start now. A lot of things, a lot that is also talked about in the podcast world and it's not, it's not isolated to podcasting. 
it's any sort of art form, whether it's photography or writing, it's the word monetization. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, it's, it seems like every person on Instagram or on Twitter, any writer, it's, you know, they start their new art, they start their new form, they're starting off as a photographer for, or they're starting off as a writer or a podcaster. And it doesn't take long before they realize that the amount of time that they're putting mm. into it to pr- produce uh, a a product or a piece of art yeah. of the quality that they desire, or at least where their skill set is. Because I think, and Ira Glass talks about this, it's kind of tangent, but Ira Glass also talks about how, you know, the work that he looks back on, mm-hmm. he's not like, it's like, oh, that was so bad. Yeah. Like, looks back eight years, yeah, that was yeah, so yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, funnily enough, by the way, we, you know, we were talking about those four page notes. He's complaining about them, that it takes a lot of time for him to do it. And he needs to find someone who can do it as well as he does so he can hand off that job, by the way. So, like, remember that as well. Like, contextually, yeah. it's a lot of work for him. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I'm saying it as if like, oh, look at the amount of work he puts in. But he's actually not happy about putting in that kind of work. He's like, he's like, it's, I've been doing this for eight years. Which is what I think that's what he says on the interviews. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for eight years and I'm still the one writing these notes. Yeah. Like, how I haven't fixed that problem yet. Anyway, that's because yes. <laughs> it's even showing that it takes him so much work. Yeah, it's not like oh, I can now that I've been doing it for so long, you can just not, pop them out. Yeah, he. I mean, he, I think he said he's got a couple people now that he has trained over the last few years that he believes that they can do the same level of work uh, that he can hand off this role to them. Yeah, but he's not done it yet, and he's like, it's some. He's like, I. He actually calls himself a pretty bad boss because he's like, I'm not good with giving this Delegation. delegating and doing it in. Anyway, this is a management so, is a whole different yeah. story, but let's go back to. <laughs> so, the, so the question is, when when you're starting off, and you know, I'm thinking of uh, a friend. He has a podcast, uh, Abdullah from Muscat. He has a podcast called True Story Tent. Where mm-hmm. have you heard of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, great guy, great podcast. I love it. Um, but he's hitting that problem of how how do I enable myself to do this for the long term because it takes so much work, so much energy, so much effort. Yeah. How, what would you tell people in that when they're in caught between the starting off and trying to make a leap to something that's more professional, that's providing some sort of uh, ability for them to monetize on their platform should that be an expectation and what are some of the ways that you suggest yeah, so again to like the advice is is again it's it's contextual to this region right but like uh, no thank you so much for listening to this episode of own the future you can find charag's information in the show notes and my fm information in the show notes please one thing if you've made it this far into the episode please share this with one friend one creative, one entrepreneur, one podcaster who needs to hear this today. And remember, as always, if you own your story, you can own the future.